In nine Sundays' time at Lord's Cricket Ground, two teams will face off in the final of the Cricket World Cup. This Tuesday at Lord's, eight teams of children represented their countries in a cricket tournament with a difference. At home in Bangladesh, England, India, Jamaica, Mauritius, Nepal and Tanzania, they were children connected to the streets. But one of the Indian players, Tarak, said that when he plays cricket, he is an athlete, not a street child. And that the birth certificate and passport he obtained to travel to England gives him a legal identity and the rights of citizenship. In an elite sporting ground, I and a number of other people here found ourselves forgetting that the competitors were among the very poorest and most vulnerable people in the world. But when we did remember, it challenged and inspired us. Later on Tuesday, here at St. Luke's, 80 people came to a rehearsal of Fox Holloway. Most of them hadn't sung choral music before they joined the choir, and many cannot read music. Vox Holloway is now part of the furniture here, so it's easy to forget that it was founded by Justin a decade ago to raise money for the first Street Child World Cup in South Africa in Durban. In Durban, street children will be rounded up in police vans and driven out of the city so that international visitors wouldn't be reminded of the desperate poverty that many South Africans still faced. This is a second gift day this year, and it's a talk about two invisible hands that compete for our attention every day and how we as a church can respond. The first invisible hand is the consumption economy. The laws of supply and demand create a market where sellers and buyers produce and purchase goods and services. It's been spectacularly effective at powering the technological change that's lifted most people in the world out of extreme poverty. But it can end up reducing people's identity to the things that they buy and measuring their worth by the amount of money that they make from producing things. The second invisible hand is the commitment economy. Here, people decide on things that are important to them. They build relationships with others who share the same goal and search for a pattern of living that puts this into practice. The genius of social media companies is to fuse our commitments with our consumption. On social media platforms, people share experiences, ideas, and events that they've committed to in some way and communicate about them with people they've committed to as friends or followers. In the process, social media companies learn about what matters most deeply to us and sell adverts to companies who can meet that need. At best, social media has achieved Facebook's mission to connect the world. As friends and family disperse across the globe, it's easier to stay sustain relationships over long distances and Twitter, particularly, connects us to people across the globe that inspire and inform us on all manner of topics. But at worst, social media tickles our inner narcissist. It turns out you're right about some issue because all these other people agree with you, but the algorithms have filtered out voices that might challenge or correct our views, so the experience keeps feeling good and we keep logging on. And social media can see us broadcasting an idealized version of ourselves to a potentially infinite audience 
rather than sharing our true self with a few people who we deeply trust. I never paid a penny to Facebook or Twitter. The cost of servicing my access this week has been funded by magazines, shirt manufacturers and arts venues that think I might spend money with them. The real customers of social media companies are advertisers. As the new adage goes, in our digital age, if you're not paying for something, you are the product. In the end, social media takes our commitments and turns them into a vehicle for consumption. Churches take a different approach. Like all organisations, they're a collection of people, buildings and equipment that work together for a common purpose. David Brooks talks about four commitments we make in our life. To a vocation, to a spouse and family, to a philosophy or faith and a community. At best, St Luke's helps people to deepen and sustain these commitments. Firstly, our vocations clarify here by meeting new people and trying new things. St Luke's offers countless opportunities to gain new skills by volunteering to make coffee or lead Sunday school, by preaching or leading prayers, by cooking a meal or washing up after church lunch. And this extends well beyond our formal activities as a church, the singing and dance groups, theatre companies, orchestras and schools that use the space during the week are all packed with people finding joy in their current endeavours and wondering what might come next. As were the dozen non-violent activists from Extinction Rebellion Oswestry, who recently, we recently accommodated while they reminded Londoners that in our planet's four and a half billion years, the current crisis is not the first time that almost all life on Earth has been left for dead because of climate change. It's happened four times before. Secondly, we deepen commitments to a spouse by introducing people who might not meet otherwise and in time marrying some of them. We strengthen families by acting out God's unconditional welcome of children through baptism and by remembering and saying goodbye to loved ones in funerals and our All Souls service. Thirdly, while St Luke's commitment to a faith stares us in the face, religious commitment passes an increasing number of our fellow citizens by. It's down to us to keep telling the stories of God's kindness and of the wise teacher who triumphed through failure and to work out what the message of comfort and hope that they convey, that the Lord is my shepherd, that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, means in a country where 72,000 children grow up in care, up 20% in the last decade, and where each year 5,000 people take their own life, up 10% in just the last year. Or what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord, in a borough where the average home costs 15 times the average income. We also commit to repeating and increasing the canon of art, music and writing that adds colour and depth to our rational understanding of faith. And we give money to other organisations working to bring about justice for women in conflict zones, victims of gang violence and people trafficking. And fourthly, St Luke's help us deepen commitments to our community here in Holloway. The Church of England's commitment to providing a Christian presence in every community dignifies all places and all people. Our parish borders two prisons, one where some of our number visit the vulnerable men inside, the other where we're campaigning to provide housing to local people in need. We collect for the food bank, we support a local school and provide hospitality to homeless guests at our winter night shelter. So in sum, St Luke's is a collection of people, buildings and equipment that helps us to make commitments to a vocation, a family, a faith 
and the community. This new gift day hasn't popped up on your Instagram feed, and in a community that values everyone's contribution, whether rich or poor, it's sometimes hard to talk about money. Most of the work we do as a community is done by unpaid volunteers, running youth club, visiting the sick, praying for the needy and tending the garden. But all of this takes place in an old building, almost 160 years old, that requires a lot of maintenance. Our many volunteers would quickly be overwhelmed without the support of professional priests, administrators and musicians. And the Church of England would reduce its presence in poorer areas if richer churches like ours didn't pay their way. Over the last year since Dave and Pat left, our numbers have been down a bit. This is normal during interregnums, but means that planned giving and collections have fallen by almost 10%. We're not in crisis, and we have reserves to cover shortfalls like this. But eventually, without filling the gap, we'll have to stop doing things we currently commit to. Planned giving in particular is critically important and is the focus of today, because it allows the PCC to set budgets and plan over the longer term, rather than living hand to mouth. In much of the consumption economy, you're a product and your value is determined by what you buy and sell. In the commitment economy, you are a person with infinite worth and dignity regardless of your means. The gifts you give to St Luke's help so many other people to commit to vocations, to strengthen families, to find faith and serve our community. So if you don't have a standing order, think whether you could set one up. If you do, all our costs go up by 2 or 3% each year, so remember to review the amount, and even a small increase would make a difference. We've put together a leaflet with more information on the church finances and how to donate on the altar and also at the back. Before I hand over to Jean for a different perspective, a quote from David Brooks on how to be remembered rather than just retweeted and loved rather than just liked. We measure our lives by the quality of our relationships. Life is a qualitative endeavour, not a quantitative one. It's not how many, but how thick and how deep. The uncommitted person is the unremembered person, a person who doesn't commit to some loyalty outside themselves, leaves no deep mark on the world. The beautiful life is found in the mutual giving of unconditional gifts. Good morning. I'd uh, like to tell you three stories. Julia Hilliard really loved the garden at St Luke's and spent money and happy hours gardening here. Julia knew she was going to die, and just before she died, she gave the church £2,000 to spend on the garden. This has allowed us to transform the back garden from a wilderness into a lovely space it is now buy many plants and remove lots of self-grown trees in the front of the church. Julia's work and name are remembered every time we sit and enjoy her lovely legacy. She left us and we say, thanks Julia, and we remember her. Sissy Farrier, who died last year, had been coming to St Luke's for over 30 years. When her husband Bill died, she paid for roses to be planted in his memory. 
This gave her great comfort. When she died, Sissy left a legacy to the church for the garden. We had a really good talk about this, and at her request, we installed an arch with two climbing roses in the back garden. Go and have a look at it today. When the climbing roses mature and intertwine, Bill and Sissy will always be remembered together in the small garden. We came to St Luke's at the most terrible time of our lives when our daughter Victoria died, aged just 43. We were not church people and just came to St Luke's because we needed a venue that would hold hundreds of people. When we spoke to Dave, to our amazement, he agreed to host our service. The funeral for our much-loved daughter, Victoria, was held here in September 2013. Dave, the vicar, our vicar then, was so understanding, and the way we celebrated her life and said our final goodbyes on that day was made in such a beautiful way by him, it touched our hearts. Gradually, as a family, we started to come to St Luke's services, and here we found an anchor for our grief and solace for our hearts. And we were welcomed by the people of St Luke's and started to become aware of the work of the church and the mutual support given by its people. Our tragedy has given me a sense of just how important it is to have a church that remembers our loved ones, and a place that gives comfort and support. Victoria's, in, Victoria's enduring legacy to us was that, through her death, that our, my family found St Luke's. And having been helped by St Luke's, we felt we wanted to give something back. So we volunteer our time in all sorts of ways, like gardening, in the garden, we feel really close to Victoria and we are ma making something beautiful in her name. Norman and I have also left St Luke's Church a beneficiary in our will. We hope that by leaving a gift in our will, in memory of Victoria, it will ensure that St Luke's will be here for all those who need it for many years to come. So today, I'd like you to think about these things. You can give a gift of yourself by volunteering your time in the many ways lifted, listed in a gift of time. I've left them just by the leaflets there. You can also do your giving while still living. It's very important remembering and being remembered. People remember what you've done. Leaving a gift in your will to St Luke's. And it is easy, you know. And for those of you who may be interested, I can tell you all about how to do it. You can speak to me. I'll be up there today by the font with the leaflets. Or you can contact me any time in the future where it may drop into your mind, I'd like to give a gift. And I'll be very happy to help you. So, if you love this church, like I do, 
Will you give some thought to my message today about how you too can give, to, give a gift? Thank you.